Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. It's been a while since we've made a video. I would say about three weeks ago, I reacted to the Kevin Durant request a trade, and a lot's happened since then. A lot has died down since then. Summer League has concluded, so... But mainly, I don't want to talk about Kyrie and KD too much this video. Of course, we'll touch on it, but mostly I want to talk about the Nets offseason as a whole, moves that actually happened, moving on from Bruce Brown, you know, moving on from Goran Dragic and getting guys like Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, Edmund Sumner, and re-signing the Klacks, and talking about those moves in particular. But we'll touch on the Kyrie and KD stuff later. Anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy the video. Leave in the comments your reaction to this Nets offseason, and let's get into it. So let's start with the Royce O'Neal trade, since it pretty much happened first in order here. And I slightly reacted to that move. I mean, it happened the same day when Kevin Durant requested a trade, but I pretty much brushed over it because obviously the bigger news was Kevin Durant and the Nets franchise being set on fire basically that day. But anyway, so as I said to you guys during that video, I always liked Royce O'Neal's game. I like him as a player. A couple years ago, actually, I think this was 2019, maybe early 2020, I think it was the season Kevin Durant was sitting out, but I had like an idea of like trading Spencer Dinwiddie for Royce O'Neal and a first round pick. And it's kind of funny now that Royce O'Neal is a Brooklyn Net a couple years later. So yeah, I've always been a fan of his and I wish I was more excited when that move was made. But obviously with Durant requesting a trade, it was tough to be excited at that time. But yeah, so some people didn't like giving up a first round pick for Royce O'Neal. And I get it. I mean, you know, you, I think the Nets could have gotten somebody better possibly like you look at what the Celtics gave up for Malcolm Brogdon who you know in a vacuum is probably a better player than Royce O'Neal when healthy of course Malcolm Brogdon but you know for the Nets needing wing players guys that can knock down shots and play defense Royce O'Neal is a fit from that standpoint and especially since they moved on from Bruce Brown now we'll touch more on the Bruce Brown thing in a bit here but for Royce O'Neal's contract he has two years left $9 million each for each year. So, I mean, it's not terrible. It's a pretty team-friendly deal for the most part. Royce is, I think he's a pretty good player. Like, he's going to be a key rotational piece on hopefully a good Nets team. That's what I'm hoping for. So, he is 6'4", 226, and Bruce Brown's listed at 202. So, this is a guy who is over 20 pounds heavier than Bruce Brown. So, once again, can bring that physicality, hopefully some more rebounding, something Bruce Brown could do, you know, a little bit, but I think Royce O'Neal could be better, of course. O'Neal shot 39% from three last year on four attempts per game. Bruce Brown only had one attempt per game last year. Obviously, he was shooting more threes post-All-Star break, but Royce O'Neal has a bigger sample size. Like, there's a chance that what Bruce Brown did last year from three in the second half could be a fluke. I don't think so. I think he's really worked on his game, but there's a chance. I mean, at least for Royce O'Neal, he has a history of at least a few years and taking more shots and doing it at a consistent level. He's known as a good defender, of course, for the most part. He has a lot of playoff experience with the Jazz in recent years. He's durable. He's played over 69 games in all five of his seasons. He played all 82 games in the 2018-2019 season, so... You go back to last season with the Nets, so many guys were out with injuries. Of course, the main guys, Ben Simmons, never played. Um, we had the hardened hamstring stuff, KD being out for like a couple months, Kyrie, of course, being out for most of the home games last year for different reasons, obviously. But yeah, Joe Harris, ankle surgery, Seth Curry, ankle issues. I mean, there was a lot of injuries last year. So having a guy in Royce O'Neal that has a history of four or five years of being durable, that's what you want to see right there. So I do like that about him. And honestly, I don't think it's the worst move. If you're keeping Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, obviously you want to surround those guys with good rotational players, you know, good role guys. And 
Royce O'Neal fits that description of what the Nets needed. Do I wish Royce O'Neal was 6'7 and not 6'4? Yeah, but like still, you can't have it all. I think Royce O'Neal is going to be a good fit for the most part. And that pick that the Nets are giving away is a Sixers first round pick. Now, we know the whole thing. James Harden took a team-friendly, quote-unquote, contract to stay in Philly. And Philly should be a good team next year. I mean, they were able to get P.J. Tucker. They got Daniel House. And if, if Embiid's healthy, that team's going to be good next year. So it's not like the Sixers pick's going to be top five, even top ten. So I get when you hear first-round pick, it's a little scary. But I don't think that Sixers pick's going to be all that high next year. That should be a pretty good team. Now, Bruce Brown would have been cheaper than Royce O'Neal. Bruce Brown signed a two-year $13 million deal. And honestly, if the Nets gave him like a two-year $12 million deal, he might have taken it. Like, I'm sure Bruce wanted to stay here. And speaking of Bruce, he did admit on, I think it was Instagram Live, that the Nets did not offer him a contract. And I'll admit I was a little surprised, but I've told you guys in the past, if it was between Claxton and Bruce, which I think kind of was the ultimatum, it seemed like, I don't know, but I told you guys I would be more surprised if they let Claxton walk as compared to Bruce Brown, and they made Claxton a priority, they brought him back, and apparently they did not make Bruce Brown an offer, according to his own words, so believe what you want, but that's a bit of a weird one, like I think if you can try to retain Bruce Brown for two years, $13 million, I don't see why not, but for Bruce Brown, he's guaranteed more playing time here because going to the Nuggets, I mean, of course, they're going to have Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, guys like that, but for the most part, this Nets team, assuming Ben Simmons is healthy, the problem is going to be that Ben Simmons and Bruce Brown are kind of redundant, like they play the same type of role. Obviously, Bruce Brown, much better shooter at this point than uh, than Ben Simmons is, unless Simmons starts shooting next year, which I don't really expect, but those guys were going to play the four and be guys that were playing in the paint most times, and obviously, Bruce Brown hangs around in the corner, but you get the point like playing Bruce Brown and Ben Simmons on the floor at the same time is not ideal so I get it from that standpoint and getting Royce O'Neal a guy that can kind of play the Bruce Brown role I don't know if um, Royce O'Neal has like the floater that Bruce Brown has but you know outside of that Royce O'Neal can play a similar role to what Bruce Brown had so to have Bruce Brown on a team of Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neal maybe it didn't make the most sense from that standpoint I can get it from you know looking at it that way but obviously letting a guy like Bruce Brown go who was a great find by Sean Marks I'll give him a lot of credit he traded a second round pick in Zanam Musa to acquire Bruce Brown that was an awesome trade so it sucks that he has to go but I wish him success in Denver he will be a fan favorite he was one of those guys in the Celtics series that actually was good outside of game one so yeah hopefully Bruce Brown plays well going forward but it kind of sucks that it ended this way all right next we're going to touch on the TJ Warren signing which I would say it didn't come out of nowhere of course like Nets fans had their eye on TJ Warren, but just to see him sign with the Nets for the minimum felt really good. Like, I love this contract. I understand the risk included because he's played like four games the past two years, but to get TJ Warren, one-year deal, minimal risk, I love that move. Warren is 6'8", 220. That is exactly what the Nets needed, someone at that size, and TJ Warren's going to help this team if healthy. Like, that's the big thing, if he's healthy. So, We'll find out about that, but in 2019-2020, he averaged 20 points per game with a 53% field goal percentage, 40% from three, and 81% from the line. So a 53-40-81 line, 
very good in 67 games. He's good at cutting to the basket, something that, you know, Bruce Brown was good at. Joe Harris is good at when he's healthy. Um, so I do like that about his game. He played a good defense the last time he was healthy, that 2019-2020 season, and he can create his own shot. Like, he's not great at it, but he can create off the dribble. He can get to the rim, finish at the rim pretty well. So there's things to his game that I like. And of course, knocking down three-point shots at a 40% clip last time he played a full season, that's encouraging stuff. So you have him shooting 40%. Royce O'Neal was 39% last year. So you have guys that can knock down perimeter shots at a pretty consistent clip. Now, Warren's scoring ability, while it's not amazing, it will take some pressure off Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, we saw how much of a load those guys had to carry in that Celtics series alone and throughout the end of the regular season when Kyrie was putting up 50-point games and 60-point games, Kevin Durant scoring 50 points, and it just felt like those guys had to carry too much of the offensive load. Obviously, it was tough because Ben Simmons and Joe Harris were out. Seth Curry was out sometimes, so they had to make up some of that you know scoring that was missing due to injury and guys out, but still, having a guy like TJ Warren that, once again, was a 20-point-per-game scorer last time he was healthy, that's going to help out. I'm not expecting TJ Warren to average 20 next year. I don't think I'll get enough shots. If he does get enough shots to score 20 a game next year, probably not a good thing for us. But hopefully for TJ Warren, he can average around 14, 15 points per game, shoot around 40% from three, get back to playing good defense, stretch the floor, add some physicality, some rebounding. I would like that. So Warren is not known as a passer. He has not really averaged many assists throughout his career. Um, and he's also coming off foot surgery. It was a stress, uh, stress fracture to, I think, his left foot. So Coming off that and only playing four games the past two years, that is risky. But at the same time, this is a guy who wants to prove himself and just like Royce O'Neal, but I think he's a better player than Royce O'Neal, honestly, but just like Royce O'Neal can be a key role player to hopefully what is a good Brooklyn Nets team next year. So, you know, worst case scenario, Royce O'Neal, not Royce O'Neal, worst case scenario, TJ Warren gets re-injured, let's say 10 games into the year, he goes down with a foot injury, misses the rest of the year. Okay, that would really suck for TJ Warren personally. But for the Nets, you're like, okay, it's a one-year veteran minimum type commitment. We tried. It is what it is. You know what I mean? So I would feel bad for him on a personal level, but for the Nets, yes, it would suck. TJ's going to help this team when healthy, but like it's not the biggest deal. It's not like he's tied into this team on a three year, four year deal. Like it's a one year deal. It's not going to hurt them all that much. Next, we're going to talk about the Nets signing another Pacers player, a former Pacer player, guard Edmund Sumner, a guy I've never heard of before, but of course, I went back and watched him, did some research, and I don't expect Sumner to have a big role. Once again, if, if Sumner has a big role, probably not a good thing for the Brooklyn Nets next year. But anyway, he could make some type of an impact. He tore his Achilles in September of 2021. He will be a year removed from that injury at that point. So that is the good news. Sometimes it takes those guys more than a year to come back from an injury like that, but we'll see how he does. Anyway, he was coming off his best season after gradual improvements year after year. I think he had three years in the NBA before the injury. He was getting better each year. He was just coming off, you know, some of his best games and then of course had the injury at a pretty unfortunate time. But in that 2020-21 season, he averaged 7.5 points per game and 16.2 minutes per game and a shooting line of 52-39-81. So 39% from three, just like Royce O'Neal, shot over 50% from the field, 81% at the line. Those are good numbers right there. So if he can do that and just play five, ten minutes per game maybe, like that's good production. But of course, we'll have to beat out guys like Patty Mills and... 
I don't know, Cam Thomas. Like, that's it's going to be tough to get consistent minutes for Edmund Sumner. That's for sure. He might play in those random games against, like, the Thunder or the Rockets when they're resting Durant or Irving or something. I don't know. But, like, he will have his chance to play, hopefully, at some point this year. We know with the Nets' luck, guys get hurt all the time. So he will have his chance at some point. He's listed at 6'4", which is a nice size for a guard. Only 196, so a bit lanky, of course, a bit skinny. Um, and he could be the backup two guard, but... You know, you have guys like Patty Mills once again, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, but, you know, I don't know. Like, he might be the third guy in line there, fourth guy. I mean, we'll see. I don't think he's much of a point guard. He's not known for that, so... Getting a consistent role on this team is going to be tough for Sumner, that's for sure. He's still 26 years old, but I just have a hard time seeing him get like a consistent enough playing time you know, to be like a, a consistent role player for this team. I just don't see it happening. But I will say, when I went back and watched him, I saw some flashes of, of Karis Levert. I mean, he's not like the exact same player, but kind of like... Karis LeVert always had like a weird athleticism to him. Like he took those long strides, had that weird jump shot where his shoulders were square. And I don't know, it was just like an odd looking shot. But Edmund Sumner kind of imitates that in a way. So I'm not saying they had the same exact playing style, but some of what he was doing reminded me of Karis LeVert's game. But yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with Sumner. He's good depth to have. Once again, he was coming off his best season, got hurt at a bad time. Maybe the Nets right now are buying low on a player that, you know, should be making more money and should be getting more minutes. But, you know, if he can make some type of an impact, that is a success right there for the Nets because I don't think their expectations for Edmund Sumner are that high in the first place. Next piece of news is that Nick Claxton re-signed with the Nets for two years, $20 million. And honestly, I like it. I think it's pretty good value. It's only two years, $10 million per year. It's a good deal for a guy like Claxton. There was that rumor that he wanted a three-year, $36 million deal, whether that was leaked from his agent, leaked from him, I don't know. But I think I would take the two years, $20 million over that deal any day. So I'm happy they got that one done. And Nick Claxton, honestly, is going to be a big player here because you look at the Nets' center depth for next year, and it's really not much. Behind Nick Claxton, you have guys like Dayron Sharp, and that might be it. Like, there's not much to rely on past Nick Claxton for next year. And obviously, Claxton has to be on the floor more consistently. He has played more games as his career has gone on, but the most he's ever played in a season was 47 games, which was last year. He has been bulking up. He has cut his hair. I, I kind of liked Claxton's blonde hair, so I'm kind of disappointed about it, but maybe that'll help him. He's got like a whole buzz cut now. He's going with the dark hair, so we'll see how it goes for him, but I, I'm going to miss the Claxton old hairstyle, but um, obviously he has to work on his free throws. He was abysmal in the Celtics series. I think he was like 5 for 30 something in the Celtics series. The Nets literally could have won a couple games in that Celtics series if he just made his damn foul shots, so that has to be fixed for next year. I think a lot of it was mental. Like, Nick Claxton does not have that bad of a jump shot like you go back to his rookie year back when Kenny Atkinson was still the coach like Nick Claxton had the green light to shoot threes and I think once Steve Nash came in he made him more of a traditional center but back in his rookie year with Kenny Atkinson Nick Claxton was knocking down some shots and some three-pointers as well we saw Claxton make that buzzer beater in the playing game versus Cleveland it was like a long two-point shot so he has a decent jump shot to his game he should not be that bad of a free throw shooter and I do think a lot of it was mental in the Celtics series. He is obviously a key defensive piece. He can guard positions one through five. We've seen him play against guys like 
Damian Lillard. I think he's played against Curry before. He's guarded Tatum pretty well at some points. Some points, not so much, but he has shown the ability to guard most positions. My main concern with a guy like Claxton is guarding those big, dominant physical centers, and there's not too many of them anymore. Like, you think of, like, prime DeMarcus Cousins, prime Shaquille O'Neal, obviously. Like, outside of Joel Embiid, there's not that bad of matchups, I feel like, for Nick Claxton. There's not, like, that overly dominant big center that's going to muscle him around um and I do remember last year in that game where the Nets beat the Sixers I think it was in March it was the game where Harden played against the Nets for the first time since the trade and the Nets had that big win in Philly and that was the game where Andre Drummond the former Sixer got in foul trouble very early he had like three fouls in two minutes it was bad and Nick Claxton had to sub in early and we were all like oh my god this is not going to be good but Nick Claxton actually played really good defense against Joel Embiid that game not saying that's going to be the norm going forward. Maybe Nick Claxton got lucky that game, but at least he's shown in the past he can play against a guy like Joel Embiid and not look terrible. So obviously Claxton can finish lobs, finish at the rim. He's 6'11", 215, has a good frame. So that is the good news. He needs to be durable though. He played 15 games as a rookie, 32 as a sophomore, and then 47 in year three last year. So obviously it's going up, it's getting better. So hopefully Claxton can play 65 ish games next year we'll see what happens with that but he's had issues with his hamstring shoulder he had a mono last year which is pretty unlucky so hopefully he can stay healthy but it is a two-year commitment 10 million dollars it's not that bad so obviously if Claxton continues to get better as a player which he has gotten better each and every year he might exceed you know that 10 million dollar cap hit for next year he might be playing better than what the Nets are paying him hopefully so you know if he can knock down his foul shots and be more of a consistent player and and play more games next year the Nets will see a positive return on investment for that $10 million per year contract. All right, so those were the main points. We'll just kind of go over some headlines here to close things out. So Kessler Edwards re-signed with the Nets on a two-year deal. He played in Summer League, and honestly, I was a bit disappointed. I'm not going to act like I watched every single possession of Nets Summer League. I'm going off some Twitter takes as well from some other people, but from what I saw from, um, from Kessler Edwards, it was not that great. He still just looks way too scared and timid when dribbling the ball. He'll take like one dribble and then just be stuck on his pivot foot. And it's just like, he can't have that. Like he has to create off the dribble more. I think he could use some G League time next year, but we'll see. Like I'm not expecting Kessler to right away opening night have like a 20 plus minute per game type role. I just don't see that being the case. There's too many guys now with TJ Warren, Royce O'Neal um, playing the same position. So yeah, I, I just think he needs more grooming as a player. There's still some upside, but... Until he can learn how to dribble, it's just how far can he go? You know what I mean? So that's something that he has to work on for sure. Patty Mills opted out, which was odd, right? And then you see that... You know, Kevin Durant requested a trade, I think, the day after he opted out. So I don't know. But anyway, so he re-signs with the Nets, Patty Mills, on a two-year, $13 million deal. And I'll admit, I was not that happy about it. I was kind of ready to move on from Patty Mills. I just don't know. I don't want to say, like, he doesn't serve a purpose here, but... Being a guy who is 5'10 and doesn't add anything defensively, like teams pick on him on defense, we know that. And Patty has had this trend in his career where he starts out the year very well the first two or three months and then gets worse as the year goes on. And this is a Nets team, hopefully, if they keep all their guys, that should be you know, trying to compete for a deep playoff run. And if you have Patty Mills not being able to make shots in the second half of the year, you don't want to have that. So, you know, paying him six, seven million dollars per year is not ideal, but 
you know, he is really good friends with Ben Simmons. Obviously, he knows Sean Marks, and, you know, he's a good locker room guy, so we do like that, but I don't know. I just wasn't, like, a huge fan of that, but we'll see what Patty Mills can do next year. If we can get the first, you know, three months version of Patty Mills from last year, that would be awesome, of course, but he just needs to do it for a full season. Um, but that, that also is, like, there was too much on his plate last year with Joe Harris being out, Kyrie not playing most games. Like, Patty Mills was asked to do way, mu- way, way more than he anticipated last year. So hopefully with a healthy squad this year, having guys like Simmons, not Simmons, but like Curry, Kyrie, Cam Thomas, Joe Harris playing the similar position as Patty, they, those guys can take minutes away from him and they can kind of preserve Patty for the more important games, the important playoff games going forward, things like that. So hopefully they don't have to, you know, play Patty a ton of minutes and meaningless, not meaningless, but just regular season games versus, you know, average opponents or bad opponents. You don't want to go through that. So Joe Harris, there's been some rumors that the Nets are not looking to move him. Of course, there was the John Collins rumor. There was that ridiculous rumor about the Nets having a salary dump where they would give Joe Harris and Kyrie to the Lakers. I don't see that happening. That's crazy. So, yeah, it seems like Joe Harris is going to be back next year. And I'm excited, but a bit concerned as well. Like, this is a guy who had two surgeries last year. How does he look? Does he look the same? And, look, the, the thing about Joe Harris that pissed me off that he got hurt, obviously him getting hurt sucked. But the thing that pissed me off was that when he had that atrocious Bucks series from two playoffs ago in games three through seven, he was, like, horrible. I really wanted to see if and how Joe Harris would bounce back in the playoffs. And we didn't get to see it. Like, Joe Harris, of course, did not step on the floor for the Celtics playoff sweep this past year. So I was really looking forward to how Joe Harris would bounce back. Now, in the first round of the playoffs, Two years ago against the Celtics, Joe Harris was amazing. But then in that Bucks series, it just got to his head and he kept missing every shot. And he missed that big shot in Game 7 where if he made it, then that's probably would have been an Eastern Conference Finals. Anyway, so um, yeah, I mean, Joe Harris, I'm just looking to see how he bounces back physically and mentally once the games get bigger down the stretch and in the playoffs. But we'll see what happens, you know, what is that, seven, eight months from now. So we'll see. Once again, Summer League, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Like guys like David Duke Jr., they looked pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to think who else looks good. I mean, for the, I think it was pretty much him. Cam Thomas was putting up big numbers once again. He had seven assists in his last game, I believe it was, so that was good to see. But he had that remark about Steve Nash. He kind of laughed off some, or I think he rolled his eyes when one of the reporters asked him about Steve Nash. I don't know. I don't I don't put too much into that, whatever. Um, but yeah, Cam Thomas can score the hell out of the ball. We know that. Um, I was hoping to see more defensively and more of a playmaking type role, but I don't know. Cam Thomas is kind of just... He's a good player. He's like he's a good player to have off the bench, but I just don't see him being like the well-rounded player that we want him to be. At least this year. Like going forward, sure, he might mature even more and and be more of a well-rounded player. But you know, as for next season, I, I just don't know if Cam Thomas will be that much better. I still think he'll be good at scoring the basketball, but outside of that. I don't know what to expect. And then there was Dayron Sharp, who I think played very well in that last game, I'm pretty sure. But Dayron, I think I was hoping to see him knock down some more perimeter shots. And he right now is the backup center on this team. So he is going to be the center for the non-Nick Claxton minutes, assuming that the Nets don't pick up a center. I still want the Nets to pick up a backup center. I would like to have a veteran ball handler as well. Because, you know, you look at the Nets rotation right now. We'll go over it after this. But, like, there's not many guys. Like, Ben Simmons is probably going to be the point guard most times. You have Kyrie, of course, but on the bench, it's like Seth Curry's naturally a two-guard. 
Patty Mills naturally a two guard. Cam Thomas should be a two guard. Like you don't really have a natural backup point guard. Obviously, Goran Dragic went to Chicago, which was a bit surprising. I figured it'd be Dallas, but yeah, he went to Chicago, so he's gone. And Goran has some things to say about this Nets team on the way out. He had those comments about how some guys were only worried about their numbers, probably taking shots at Katie and Kyrie, but. Maybe there is some truth to that. I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, obviously Goran Dragic was not going to stay around here. But I would like the Nets to go after a veteran point guard or a backup center because I do like Dayron's future outlook. But just right now, at least, it's tough to rely on Dayron Sharp to play, you know, 12, 15 minutes a night. Like, I, I don't know if I want to rely on that right now for a team that should be competing for one of the top seeds in the East. That's not where you want to be. So as for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, we'll get to this very late in the video. So nothing new has came out since, I mean, there has been stuff that's come out the past 20 days, obviously, or 19 days, whatever it's been since I made that reaction video. But um, there was that rumor about the Nets offering Kevin Durant for Carl Towns, Anthony Edwards, and like four first round picks. I mean, obviously the Timberwolves were not going to do that. So I'm happy though the Nets are trying to make a deal like that. Like, try to rip you know rip off a team and don't just give Kevin Durant away for nothing like my worst nightmare would be Kevin Durant to the Suns for Mikael Bridges and um, Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton and like two or three first round picks like that would be a nightmare so I, I don't want to see that so I don't even think Ayton could be traded right now because he just signed the extension with Phoenix so I think they have to wait a certain amount of time anyway so that might be out the window I do think what Toronto has to offer is interesting getting a Scotty Barnes or a Pascal Siakam I like Gary Trent's game I like OG Ananobi's game like getting those guys would be interesting but I just don't think Toronto wants to go that route you know what I mean so they like have no reason to make that move right now they kind of want to stick with what they have maybe they make a move we'll see but I think as the days go on we're starting to realize that it's more likely that Kevin Durant's going to be a net next year and of course Kevin Durant could sit out it could happen I just don't think it's going to happen but the Nets I think have more leverage than people wanted to um, you know give them credit for when this first happened and I tweeted it out I said look if I'm the Nets I'm not trading him like I'm just making him stay and if he wants to sit out for four years then you just call his bluff and, and see what happens I don't think Kevin Durant's going to sit out for four freaking years so um, yeah I mean hopefully Kevin's back I don't know you know, I don't know what really the issue was. I know we did not have much contact with Sean Marks, the GM, for a while. I, I just, hopefully things are, are settled there. I'm not saying they all have to love each other, but just make it a decent working environment. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have to be buddy-buddy with ownership. And I'm talking about Kyrie, too. Like, they don't have to love each other, but, like, just get along. Just, just, just go to work and get along and try to get some dubs and hopefully get a championship next year. That would be great. So there is that rule. I think it's called the Rose Rule. I did not know this existed until just a few weeks ago, but the Nets, since they have Ben Simmons on their roster, they are not allowed to trade for a guy who is coming off of a rookie deal who got a max contract. So guys like Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, uh, I'm trying to think who else like I don't think Bradley Beal's in that conversation he's probably on his third contract I don't know but like just guys that are on their first big contract like Devin Booker's in there as well guys that just signed their you know first big contract extensions the Nets can't have two of those guys on the same team I guess that was to prevent super teams I don't even know why it's called the Rose rule I don't know if it's Jalen Rose Derek Rose Guns and Roses. I don't know. I don't know why it's called the Rose Rule. I did not do that research. But yeah, the Nets would not be allowed to have Ben Simmons and one of those guys um, on a max extension coming off their rookie deal. So I guess that makes it a lot more difficult than it would be. I think Donovan Mitchell's in that as well. I don't know if I mentioned his name or not, but he would be in that same uh, category. He's still a pretty young player for the most part. So 
it's tough. The whole Kevin Durant thing is tricky, and obviously if he didn't want to be here, I don't know why he signed the four-year deal. I ranted about last video. Kevin Durant said so many nice things about the Nets organization back in March, and then four months later, he requested a trade, so it was very kind of out of the blue to see that, but I'm sure some of that had to do with the Nets not really giving in the Kyrie Irving's contract request. And speaking of Kyrie, the Lakers rumor, I'm sure there was some truth to it. I do think LeBron wants him over Westbrook. I mean, why not? Obviously, Kyrie's a better player. He's not as reliable as Westbrook to play in the games, but when he's on the floor, Kyrie's a lot better than Russell Westbrook. But the Nets, I don't think, have any interest in taking Westbrook back. Westbrook makes $11 million more than Kyrie next year anyway, so that doesn't really match up. And yeah, I just don't know what the Lakers could realistically offer. They give away all their first round picks for Anthony Davis a couple of years ago. So like, what could the Lakers really give the Nets for Kyrie Irving? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think Russell Westbrook is what the Nets want. They would have to get a third team involved. And it seems like based on reports that Kyrie wants to stay with Brooklyn, he may have some requests or demands. We'll see. But like, I don't know. I think Kyrie always wanted to stay here. I just think it's Joe's side that didn't want him here, the owner. So it's a weird situation. But as the days go on, I'm more optimistic that those two will stay. I was trying not to freak out when the news broke. And I, I think the... You know, the realistic and logical side of me said, look, just wait and see. Like, there, nothing's happened yet. KD has four years left. Kyrie just picked up his player option. Like, let's just let it play out. But obviously, like, my mind was going crazy. I thought the Nets were done. And But anyway, yeah, we're sitting here a few weeks later and things are looking better. And once again, I do realize it might only be for one more year. The Nets might do this like kind of last dance type thing where they only go one more year with this core of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and see what happens. Like the first two years of it, I can't even call it three because Kevin Durant sat out the entire first year, but the first two years of it, I mean, if they didn't get hurt the first year, they probably win the championship, right? In the you know the Bucks series when Kyrie and James Harden went down, that team would have won the championship. I definitely respected what the Suns were doing that year, but I just think the Nets were the best team in the NBA that year. It's very unfortunate they got hurt. And then last year, just every possible thing went wrong. So like, I just can't put too much stock into that. But the one season they were healthy, and I know this was back when James Harden was on the Nets, but still, that team was like the finals favorites by a lot. Like, let's just play it out. Let's just try it for one more year and see where this Nets team can go. That's that's what I want to see. If it fails and the Nets just get out in the first round again next year, all right, at least you tried. But, you know, let's just see what happens. So anyway, the rotation for next year, I want to touch on this right now. Point guard, you have Ben Simmons, who I know is like a four naturally, but he's going to play point guard most times, I feel like, especially because Kyrie likes to play the two more. So Ben Simmons at point, Seth Curry maybe behind him. I do want another veteran point guard because Seth Curry is more of a two guard, but Seth Curry was fine as a point guard last year. He's actually a better passer than I thought he was. So I guess Seth as a point guard would not be the worst thing in the world. Kyrie Irving at the two, Patty Mills behind him, and Cam Thomas. I don't know if it's going to be Cam or Patty as the second guy. We'll see. But yeah, that's a pretty good, you know, pretty good depth right there. Of course, you have Edmund Sumner as well, if you want to put him in there. Um, at the three, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Kessler Edwards. Not a bad group once again. I think Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, those are good guys to have at your top two for the small forward position. Kessler Edwards, I'm not going to rely on him too much, but we'll see if he can contribute next year at all. At the four, if they want to go a bit smaller, Kevin Durant, TJ Warren. I mean, those guys, of course, are good scorers. One's a great score, one of the best of all time, and one of them is just a good score. And TJ Warren, if he can stay healthy. And at the five is the concerning part. Nick Claxton, who I do like when he's healthy, but that's that's an if. And then you have Dayron Sharp behind him. So 
I don't know what veteran centers are out there. I know like DeMarcus Cousins is out there, maybe like Aaron Baines or something. I don't know. But I just I just want the Nets to have somebody else. Like my ideal guy would have been Isaiah Hartenstein, who went to the Knicks, unfortunately, but I think he he signed for a decent amount of money anyway. So maybe not. But I just think the Nets could have used a stretch five type guy, like a Mike Muscala type guy. I don't know. I forget where Muscala went. I have no idea. But yeah, I mean, that would have been like the perfect fit for the Nets. So I'm not saying Mike Muscala would have put them over the top, but it would have been a nice fit. So we'll see. I just think they need to add somebody else at the five spot because I just don't have much faith in Dayron Sharp to be good enough consistently and Nick Claxton to stay healthy. And I just don't want to see a situation where like, I'm trying to think, like back in like 2000, this what year was this? 2011, I think, when Brooke Lopez broke his foot and they had to rely on Sheldon Williams and they traded for washed up Mehmet Okor from the Jazz. Like that was not a good center situation. I know Brooke Lopez was a lot better than those guys and you can't replace Brooke Lopez, but at least have some type of backup plan. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I don't know. Um, but yeah, anyway, I feel better about the Nets now than I did last time I talked to you guys. So that's the good news. And Obviously, if anything big breaks, whether it's, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving related, I will hop on and we'll talk about it. Hopefully it's in a positive way. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't know what my next, uh, my next Nets video will be. We're going to hit that boring part of the offseason where not much is going on. I'm sure some rumors will be out there. I could definitely make a video at some point. Maybe I'll answer some questions. I don't know. We'll, we'll I'll think about it. So anyway, leave in the comments any videos idea, any video ideas for um, you know the Nets going forward. But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this video, this podcast, and I'll talk to you guys next time.